the last few weeks. Um, in fact, a lot of it's things God's been speaking to us over the past few months and so on, because I feel God's saying the same thing. <laughs> so continuing to say the same thing. So I just, wanna, I just wanted to start with, um, we had a time during the week of prayer where I invited people to write down on one of these bits of paper uh, what things they could see over the wall. Now, we pinned them up at the end of the room, and uh, some people had a chance to have a look, um, and, uh, but not everyone. And so I wanted to just spend a couple of minutes, just at the start of tonight, today, it's this morning, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, just the start of today, um, just, just to, to sort of visit some of those things. Remember God said to us, spoken to us about entering into a whole new phase, and that for some of us, there's been like a, a, a blockage, a barrier that stopped us from getting to where we believe God has for us. And, uh, and so there's this, this, this sort of wall thing. Now, I don't know what your wall is, but there's a wall thing that's stopping you getting to that place. But just right now, God's demolishing that wall. And as he demolishes that wall, we're, we're seeing things that we've maybe only caught a glimpse of before. And I just want to give you a little snapshot of some of the things that people were seeing. So one of the things that came up was walking more closely with him. How many of us desire to have a closer walk with God? Okay, that's good. Right, so somebody wrote that down. Not everyone, but there's a number of us who are sensing that that's something God has for us. A renewing, a refreshing, a restoration. A new heart. A new enthusiasm. That truth would destroy lies. Salvation comes. New expressions of worship and awe at the Lord's doing. That was just on one piece of paper. That God would restore my hunger and passion to always live in God's abundance and overflow. See more of my family come to know the Lord and hear God more clearly. Restoring hunger and passion. Healing for the sick. Always wanted to be able to pray for the sick and see them healed. Had almost given up on that idea. Yesterday, I believe God gave me a picture of myself as a pipe or a channel of his power to flow through. That's God's picture to you. Whoever it was who wrote that down, that's God's picture to you. God's going to use you in healing. Seeing broken people made whole. People having opportunities that were not available to them before. So I'm not going through them all. I've just picked out a few just to give you an idea of some of these things. These are good things, aren't they? It's one of my favorites. Purpose. That's all it says. What are you seeing over the wall? You're seeing purpose. To be a warrior. 
to be the warrior that you've made me to be, to fight for my brother and sister, to bring your light and love into the darkest of situations, to put you first and foremost before my steps. Um, I'll read you a couple of others. What else am I seeing? Stronger ties with each of my children and stronger ties between my children. That's a parent's heart, isn't it? I thought my marriage had reached its final resting place. I resigned to live at 90%, but God breathed new life into us, and now we're living at 100%. But I believe he has said there's more to come. This is a good land that God has got for us. This is a land with grapes the size of your hand. This is, this is a land that is flowing with his goodness. And, uh, and as we see through this wall, as we peer over the wall and, and God allows us to enter in, I believe there'll be many more stories, not just of glimpses, but there'll be people giving testimony to what he's doing. Now, it may be that you weren't able to take a glimpse over the wall, or maybe you have done, but you've not been able to write anything down. I, I've got a few spare sheets. Now, I'm not going to distribute them now, but I'll make sure the stewards have got them at the back, and you can, you can help yourself afterwards. If you, if you, just as you hear those things, you think, that's for me. Or maybe God's stirring something else in you. Just pick it up and... Uh, and give it, take a moment to write it down, because I think it will help to declare what God is doing. I'm just going to read you a bit of scripture, and then we're going to watch a short video, which, um, which Wilco shared, actually, on our Facebook page. Um, but I just, want to, I just want us to, to listen to the words of the song. I want to read from Isaiah 61, because I believe that this is relevant for us. And I'm going to be looking at the first three verses. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives and the release for prisoners, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who moon, mourn and provide those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. At this time, God's been encouraging us that there's been a time of waiting which is over. But what's God got for us to enter into? Let's just watch this uh, short film.
dream has died Like a tree planted by the water We never will run dry So living water flowing through God, we thirst for more of you Fill our hearts and flood our souls With one desire Just to
so. Made to thrive. More than just survive. We were made to thrive. This land that we're catching a glimpse on is, is not a wilderness land, is it? This land is a place of God's provision, which we've known. But it's a place of more than just surviving. It's a place of thriving. Now, um, I just want to pick up that uh, scripture, Luke six, uh, sorry, Isaiah six, uh, 61, but where Jesus uses it in Luke chapter 4. And I want to tell you about the backstory a little bit. Um, so, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is led into the wilderness. He's filled with the Spirit, and he's led into the wilderness. And um, he's been in the desert for a period of fasting, and in that time, he's had to deal with, found, uh, with temptations. The enemy's come along and has tested his body. He's given him the opportunity to feed himself. Um, and, uh, and Jesus has confronted him with the word of God. So he's been tempted in the physical. He's been tempted to look for recognition. Recognition which is something which is not given uh, in that context by God, but just by other people. Um, you know, the enemy says to Jesus, look, if you just do this, then everyone will bow down and worship you. And Jesus knows that's not his mission. That's not what he's here for. And he's also asked him to test his faith. He says, you know, if God really cares for you, you could just chuck yourself off of this building and, and uh, God, will, God will catch you. And in each case, in each case, Jesus confronts the enemy with the word of God because he's full of the Holy Spirit. And now he comes home. He comes home to a place where he's well known. And he makes a declaration of truth. Jesus returned to Galilee, this is in verse 14, in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. It's interesting that Jesus made his, his name known by going into a wilderness. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. Just before I go on, I just want to remind us. So, so this has been a significant time of testing for Jesus. God was not napping when Jesus was in the wilderness. This is all part of his plan for God to use Jesus on earth and to show us what the Father is like. If we're going to serve God, we need to be able to deal with temptation. We can't do this on our own. We need the word of God to help us. Being tempted is not the same as sin. Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. So, brothers and sisters, if God has been testing you, allowing you to be tested with temptation, it's time to confront the enemy with the word of God. Because actually, what is happening as you work through that temptation is God's bringing you to this new place of authority, a new place of standing in him. He's refining what's in you and bringing stuff to the surface. After a time of testing, and I believe that we've been in a time of testing, actually, as a community, 
After a time of testing, God is restoring us to a whole new position. That wall that was preventing us from getting into that land has been taken down. We've caught glimpses, but now it's time for us to declare what God has made us to be. So he got unrolling, um, so he stood up to read, and in verse 17, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it's written. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. You can kind of imagine the scene, can't you? The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. But some said, Isn't this Joseph's son? See, some time ago, when I was even younger than I am now, I used to help with an uh, 18-plus group, but it was called, ex- it was 16-plus, wasn't it? And it was called Exchange. And I remember there was this fellow called Daniel. Some of you will know him. Uh, he used to lead Exchange, and, uh, and he, he used to keep banging on, because he does bang on, doesn't he? You know, it's just a technical term. But he kept banging on about this scripture, He kept saying that that was our mandate. Now, I come from a background where I'd be very upbeat about this being what Jesus has come to do. And I'd be very happy about celebrating that this is Jesus' call. But did you know that that's our call too? That is our call. Jesus began it, and we're his body, and we continue that same call. If Jesus had a manifesto, this would be it. This is his gift to us. It's not only for him. And the Holy Spirit is essential for us to be who God has made us to be. In in Acts, which is the second part of Luke, actually, Luke and Acts belong together, the same fella, I think his name might have been Luke, wrote both bits, and one was like the birth of Jesus and his life, and the other was the birth of the church and its life. And that's why they're written back to back. And, and uh, if you want to know what Luke thought about Jesus' view of the Holy Spirit, you have to look in Acts, verse 4. Jesus said, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then later in Acts 2, 38, we read that the Holy Spirit has a very special place. You see, when Jesus was on earth, he was the Christed one, which is the one who carries the anointing of Christ. He's the one who carries this anointing that we were talking about, the anointing to unlock, to unblock, to make new. But now, Christ rests on us. His anointing rests on us. And this anointing is for you, your children, and all who are far off. 
Isn't that fantastic? The anointing is for those that are really good and close to Jesus. No. It's for me. Because of what it says. For my children. And for all who are far off. Now I, I carry some of the anointing of Christ. You carry some of the anointing of Christ. The amazing thing is that together we carry the anointing of Christ. In fact, somehow something even more spectacular was supposed to happen and can happen because Jesus said you will do even greater things because because we're us and because we're part of an enormous church which has only ever been growing and developing. God intends that together we should carry the fullness of that anointing through the Holy Spirit. Now I want to look at that manifesto that God has for us, that mission, if you like, although that has rather, uh, that has other, other connotations perhaps that we don't want to go to. But I want to look at that job description, that role that God has for us as a church over a number of times. And today I'm just going to look at the first few verses because frankly, there's so much in it, I think it takes time for us to digest. You remember one of my favorite words that's written in the Psalms, isn't in all the, all the Bibles, all the translations, but it's the Selah word, when we have to stop, we have to think about it. S-E-L-A. It's one we should use day and day, day by day. You know? There are times in our lives when we need to stop and think about it. Sometimes we're so busy rushing on to the next thing, we don't do that. But actually, God is calling us to be those that take a time, stop, think about it. What am I saying? So, I want to start with verse 1 of Isaiah 61, which is what Jesus was quoting. And that is, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Now, I've underlined the word spirit, because first of all, I want to talk about what the spirit is, who he is. The spirit is the breath of God. Last week, John was talking about the picture that Ezekiel had of the valley of dry bones. Can these bones live, was the question. And what made the bones live was the breath of God, the Spirit of God breathing on them. He prophesied, and the, and the, and the Holy Spirit was released. This breath also brought the soil to life. In the Genesis story, in Genesis 1, God takes the earth, he shapes it into a man, he breathes into it, and then there's a life. The spirit is the spirit that makes things new. In fact, as I've, I've gone on quite a lot about recently, because I think it's really important, that we understand that the things that God makes don't get old. It's something I've been struggling with. It's understanding how you deal with getting older and so on. Uh, But actually, the truth is that what God does lasts forever. And that's the whole point. Anything that I do that is from God lasts forever. Will last forever. The love that he's given me will last forever. The love that I give in my family will last forever. The love that I give in the family of my church will last forever. The love, the, the, the work that I've done, 
the things I've done that are from him will stand forever. And they never get old. Now, you can get bored doing something. You can get tired doing something. But if it's of God, it doesn't happen. God will renew it by his spirit. And those bones, what did they become? With the power of the spirit, they become a mighty army. That's right. So this is the spirit. But it's the spirit of the sovereign Lord. Isn't that a weird expression? Why bother telling us sovereign Lord? I mean, surely a Lord is sovereign. Well, God reigns absolutely. Absolutely. That means that the Spirit rests on those that he's chosen. Just before the meeting, um, we were reading, God just reminded me of this scripture from 1 Peter, talking about us. You are a chosen people. This is verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, two verse 9. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into one, his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. What a wonderful thing to have received the Spirit from the sovereign God. Not because we put money in the slot machine. Not because we got the combination right on some difficult padlock. But because God chose. He chose you. If you're here this morning, it's not by accident. It's not by accident that you're here. God has a purpose for it. Remember that piece of paper with purpose written on it. God has a purpose for you. And that's why you're here. He's sovereign. And he's chosen you, and he's chosen me. But it's the spirit of the sovereign law, which means that actually it enables us to be sovereign. What do I mean by that? That's ridiculous. To rule, to be the head, not the tail. To be actually, actually able to challenge our body when it wants to do the wrong thing. To challenge our character when it's do, you know, it decides to get into a strop with something and we want to lose our temper, we can actually take control and say, no, I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to submit to you, Lord. It's the spirit of the sovereign Lord. This is a time for us to take the land, but it's a time also of Bethany, being in the presence of this sovereign Lord. The Sovereign Lord's presence is on me. And I'd encourage you to take hold of whatever means of grace you have, whether it's talking to others, praying with them, worship, praise, whatever works to feed your spirit. Use it to draw near to the God who loves us. You know, um, it's a wonderful thing what God does in the body when we get together. Um, I was going to mention it later, but I, I, I just feel reminded of it now. Just, if anyone had asked me what my year had been like, probably from October onwards last year, right up until about January the 6th, I'd say, I'd say, well, it's been a challenging year. And that would be me being positive. 
I'd say, well, it's, it's had some ups and downs. Do you know, I came away from that week of Thanksgiving thinking, do you know, it's been a good year. I listened. I listened to what had been happening amongst us. And I thought, you know something? God's been carrying us. It's been a good year. And sometimes we need to declare that which is true to receive the truth. So the Lord's anointed me. No one else has done it. It's not the badge that we carry. It's not the role that we have. You know, and in fact, if you took all of those things away, God's anointing remains. We don't need to be recognized by man to be anointed. The Lord has anointed me. What a funny word. When was the last time you anointed something? Well, I thought we ought to look at what anointing is. Um, when I go and, and if, I, if, I, if I am asked to go and pray for someone because they're sick, um, and I go with some, one of the other leaders of the church, and we go and we lay hands, we generally use oil. It's always this slightly nervous moment whilst the person you're praying for decides whether or not you're a pourer or a, or a dabber, and whether they really should have put on an, an old shirt before you got there. Because after all, you know, if you, if you put on too much, then it can really mess up their hair. I do seem to remember somebody who will remain nameless talking about the fact they had only just bothered to wash their hair. So could I be very careful? But, <laughs> but you, know, you know, God is a, God is a pourer. He's not a dabber. When he, when he anoints us, he doesn't just kind of go like that and then hope. What we're doing when we anoint with oil is we're just we're doing, being obedient to the word because the word says to call the elders and they will anoint you with oil and the prayer of a righteous man will make, make them well. And, uh, and uh, we're just being obedient. So we don't mind whether it's three in one or... It's olive oil, or for the Catholics, extra virgin olive oil. It doesn't, doesn't really matter, really, what, what oil you use, you know. That's not important. It can come out of the kitchen cupboard. We're just being obedient. But when God anoints us, he doesn't anoint us with olive oil. He anoints us with the Holy Spirit for purpose. I was thinking about the, the, the one story that particularly stands out for me, there have been other anointings, but is the anointing when Samuel goes to find David. And um, he doesn't, he's not looking for David, he's looking for the next king. And he goes to the family and he goes through each of them and God keeps telling him not to anoint because it's not that one, it's not that one, it's not that And he gets to David and he anoints him. And he's anointed in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. When we've been anointed by God, the Spirit remains on us. And unlike in that story, God is not going along a line and picking just one. He's picking whoever will surrender their lives to him. 
This anointing is for purpose, as the scripture goes on to talk about. It can't be missed. You know, everyone knew that David had been anointed. To be anointed is to be set apart, to be holy. You know, sometimes the enemy would seek to drag us back into things that, we, that just don't belong with us anymore because we've left that way of life and God's brought us to a new place to be holy for him. It's a sign of an eternal, an internal and eternal shift. Something has changed. Another one of the ones that I remember from one of those cards was, I think they'd written NOS, which I took to mean new operating system. A whole new operating system. God's changed us. So when he anoints us, we're brought to a new place and a new... Not everything is formed, first of all. You know, the operating system is, is like, runs in the background. But we're running from a different source. God's anointed us so that we can move into a whole new way of being. Releasing abilities which unfold and develop. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're set apart, not like others. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Look at the person next to you and say, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you. Because he has anointed you. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you because he's anointed you. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you because he has anointed you. Now maybe, maybe you're visiting or maybe you're thinking anointing, obvious, everybody knows. I don't know whether that's true for me. I want to make sure that we have time this morning to pray for you to receive that Holy Spirit because we have to wait until the power comes on us. Jesus told his disciples to do that for a reason. Because we can go off and try and fix people, but if we fix people on our own, guess what? It doesn't work. We can make it look good. We might be able to pop people up for a while, but do you remember what I said? The things that we do get old and die. The things that he does last forever. If you want someone to be completely put right, They need to meet with Jesus. They need to meet with God. They need to have the Holy Spirit working in them to set them free. Otherwise, we just make their life a bit better, which is good, but they will come back to being at the bottom again. So, what's the purpose? The purpose is to preach good news to the poor. So, Does that mean that you need to be doing this? 
Not necessarily, no, funnily enough. Um, the, word, the, the, the verb to preach good news is all one thing, and it's like being a herald or an announcer of something that has totally changed. A new system is in operation. It's one word, and it means to make an announcement of victory. Thinking about, yeah, I've said that already. You know, the good news, thinking about last year, the impact of hearing that good news, of, of how God has met with people over the year. I had a funny conversation with a teacher at my school, um, a head actually, um, and um, oh, she was, it was something, we were talking about some kind of employment issue or whatever, and um, which I can't obviously go into right now, that would be unprofessional, no. But anyway, no, it was really funny, but anyway, she started on about her, <clears throat> let's just say it was about the amount of tax she has to pay, I can say that, can't I? That's not, that's not giving anything away on her pension contributions. And I said, oh, I've had a really good year, actually, because tax hasn't been quite as bad for me as I thought it might be. Oh, Angie gave me a pay rise in September, which you, you know, which you uh, didn't talk to me. Oh, yeah, I meant to say that to you. I've done that. I, I gave thanks for that during um, uh, prayer, in the week of prayer. Actually, in September, not having been asked for, never having been spoken to, my pay went up. Um, and uh, not astronomically, obviously. We're in the realm of teachers, so things tend to go up by sort of, you know, increments, you know, the step, every, every step makes a difference. Anyway, so there was this step change. And, um, and I, then I felt myself thinking, oh, should I be making out how tight things are? Because otherwise she won't give me any more pay. And I just heard this little voice say, you know, it's not her money. She doesn't really know why she gave me extra money. She said, oh, well, I had a bit of extra money, and I thought, well, I ought to up your salary. Said, oh, okay. So, so yeah, that's, that's good. When God speaks good news to us, he changes our, in, our insides. So suddenly we start saying things, and we think, oh, that's not quite in keeping with how I should be. This is not, not quite wise, you know. Maybe I, maybe I should manipulate things differently. No, God doesn't want us to be manipulating the world around us. He wants us to be good news, to speak good news, to tell people how it is, to help them to see that actually what they thought of as going to be dreadful is actually a lot better, and actually that God's still working, and that, you know, there are terrible things in the news, absolutely terrible things in the news, but God is the one who carries us. God is the one who will reach hold of us wherever we are and carry us out. That scripture that God stirred with me um, from Exodus, that one about God carrying us from Egypt as like on the wings of an eagle. That's what I believe God wants to do for each of us. That in a way, we're in a kind of Egypt. We're in a kind of a place where there's a lot of trouble. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of people whose lives, want, they want their lives to be different. Who are enslaved to things. Whether it's... Uh, addictions, whether it's mentalities, whether it's being poor, uh, poor in spirit or poor actually, whatever thing it is that binds them up. And God has given us 
the responsibility and ability to actually see people set free. So God's anointed me to be and to share good news. I still find that a challenge. Because to be honest, I'm not always good news to people around me. I mean, I know it's looking at my smiley face, you think, oh, it's always going to be good news, it's Jake's. But occasionally I can be a little down. But it's okay to be down. We need to hold on to what God's doing. Our emotions don't have to be what dictates how we are. So what's the good news that God's given you? I think that, for a start, it isn't something you can write in a paragraph on a bit of paper. If I said, write it down now. I don't think that is what the good news is. The good news is what that person needs to hear. The good news is what that... And God will give you the good news for that person. The announcement. And as we live by the Spirit, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. So it's about something that is unfolded and, and revealed. We know that he will lead us into truth, all truth. So God gives us what to say. And you know what else? He provokes us to say it. I had something to say, but I just couldn't. Oh, I just felt, I just, if only I could say what I really meant, but you know, we can get ourselves really caught up in being soulish about this and saying, well, I need to stir myself more. I need to listen to God. Listen to God. Let him prompt you. And he will give you what to say and when to say it. And, um, and we need to speak to the poor. Finally. Elspeth um, sent this thing this morning. Do you mind if I... I'm just going to read what Elspeth sent me uh, via a dubious route. No, uh, via John this week. Um, so that's not a dubious route, by the way. I wouldn't want you to... God's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. I was just looking up the root meaning of the word meek, because that word poor there is actually, in some translations, the word meek. And uh, it was very, I was very interested to see the original Hebrew word for meek contains within it the meaning of depressed in mind or circumstances. So the translation of poor, which we might consider to be material, is actually only a fragment of the original intention. It's more akin to the wider poor in spirit. Considering those amongst us who have had mental illness or struggled with things in that way, there needs to be a taking hold of us for us in that anointing. A stance that we can take is that God has anointed each of us to preach good news to those who are depressed in mind. It's an empowering revelation. We can expect breakthrough. We can expect to announce the good news of Jesus and see people set free. So the poor are people that are needy, but needy in the broadest sense. People that are weak, 
people that are afflicted, people that are troubled. Perhaps it's not people that are weak, weak, but people that are weakened. There's a difference. Less strong because of something that the enemy is allowing, or is, that God is allowing to happen through the enemy, that they need to be delivered from as part of their refining, as they're changed from glory to glory. So who are the poor that God's given you? And what's the good news that you have to share? I just, um, just want you to take a moment then. Just, just have a think. What does that, putting all that together, what, what is it for you? See, God is saying to you, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you because he's anointed you to preach good news to the poor. This promise is for you, your children, all who are far off. Just take a moment to uh, have a think.